Good morning. Welcome to our service this morning. It's good to see so many of you in church. And a warm welcome to those of you who are looking in from home. It's great to see you here and great to know that you're looking in. It's a pleasure this morning to welcome into our pulpit the Reverend Dr. Norman Hamilton. Norman has been with us on a number of occasions recently. I think the most recent one at the end of June, Norman, when you came in at short notice when Mark had COVID. Yes, he agrees with me, I've got that right. <laughs> Norman, you're always very, very welcome in Ballycrock, and thank you for coming this morning to lead our service. Thank you. Uh, I want also to say thank you to Brian Gartland, who organized the grounds cleanup yesterday, and to everyone who turned up to assist him. I think you'll agree with me, if you look around the grounds this morning, they're looking much neater and tidier than they have done for some time. So to Brian and all his helpers, thank you so much indeed for all that you've done. Uh, yeah, You'll be aware the Reverend Shaw is on holiday. He returns from holiday on Saturday the 9th of September, taking his first service here on Sunday the 10th of September. And the church office is also closed because Rainey's on holiday and it reopens on Tuesday the 5th of September. Now, if in the meantime you need the services of a minister, would you please contact any elder or contact me? Now, a preliminary notice from Bill Aiken about the men's breakfast. The next men's breakfast will be on Saturday the 9th of September, second Saturday in September, and there's a new time. It's not seven o'clock, but it's nine o'clock. So gentlemen, there's an extra hour in bed in that one. Uh, the guest speaker is Ian Wilson. Ian is a former history teacher and the curator of the Bangor Museum, and he has agreed to come along and talk to us on that morning. All men, of course, are welcome, and bring your friends, please, if you can encourage them to come. And uh, let Bill know on WhatsApp if you intend to be there, because he's got to let the caterers know about numbers. So that's on Saturday the 9th of September, 9 o'clock, and there's a new venue. It's, oh no, there's not, it's the same venue. It's Bangor Golf Club. It's a new time, but not a new venue. Now, if you want an announcement made, would you please contact me, and I will see that it's done. And there's one final announcement, and it's going to be done by Pat. So, Pat, would you care to join me, please? And she's going to make the announcement, and then we're on to our service. Thank you. Thank you, Billy. Um, it's hard to believe next Sunday will be the 3rd of September. Where did the summer go? It's the start of another church year, and all of the organization and groups are ready gearing up to start very soon. But before that happens, the mission team warmly invite you all to a celebration barbecue after church next week. It will be an opportunity for us to give thanks together for the coming church year and to support the children's projects in Peru and Rwanda. We hope many of you will plan to come along, and I promise you if you do, you will be very well fed. There will be burgers and hot dogs, tea and coffee, followed by a delicious dessert, but it's a secret. If you are coming, please sign up on the list in the vestibule, indicate your choice of food and any dietary requirements if you have any. No need to worry about the weather either. We have it covered, rain or shine, the barbecue will happen. 
I know, as a congregation, you have generously supported the mission team's efforts for the projects over many years. And I assure you, all donations given next week, they will enable the amazing work in Peru and Rwanda to grow and to continue to show God's love to the children that he has placed in their care and in our hearts. Please sign up, come along, enjoy a good chat and fellowship together. Please do. Thank you. Sorry, it's my pleasurable duty to ask the Reverend Norman Hamilton to now lead our service. Thank you, Norman. Was that a signal from the, the desk of some sort? And the following, so you're, you're eating next Sunday morning, and then the men are having a fry up the following Saturday morning. Hmm. hmm. Okay. Okay. It's lovely to be back with you, and as ever, uh, thank you for your, your very, very warm welcome. I don't know whether any of you were following the news of the burning of the churches in Pakistan over the last couple of weeks. Um, Christians are about one and a half percent of the population of Pakistan, and they are constantly under great pressure. And the, dist uh, the distress, I don't know whether you saw the, 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 news, the, the news items, the distress and the pain of having the churches ransacked, their homes attacked, their homes ransacked, is part of the price that they pay for taking the Lord's name in Pakistan. So I just, we'll pray for them later on, but I just use that at the beginning of the service to say it's really, really important that we don't take the opportunity to come here this morning and be safe and secure and well-fed, uh, that we don't take that for granted. Uh, for millions and millions of Christian people around the world, what we are able to do this morning, they would love to be able to do, but the persecution, the attacks, the pressure, are enormous. So we'll just start our service with giving thanks to God humbly for the opportunity we have this morning. Let's pray. Our Father, we want to thank you for bringing us here, giving us the opportunity to come here. We want to thank you for the folks who are joining us on the live stream, that they can join us as well, and for the folks during the week who will watch the service in the recording. For each and every one who is able to join us in one way or another, we give you thanks. And Lord, we do not take this opportunity this uh, uh, for granted. It is a huge privilege. And no matter what our reasons are for being here this morning, we pray that your spirit will just be with us and speak to us and help us together to meet with the living God. In Jesus' name. Amen. And we start with a very well-known, one of the modern ones, which I love to bits. You're the word of God the Father.
Well, let's follow it up for a moment or two as we pray together again. Father, we do want to thank you that we are so privileged to be here. You're the author of creation, but you're also the author of salvation. And we want to thank you for bringing us together in Jesus' name. We want to thank you that we don't have to go looking for you, but you are here by your Spirit, as Christ promised. And we do pray that you will help each one of us to make the most of our time here this morning. Lord, you know where we've been in the past week. You know what's going on in our lives. You know the things that are dominating our thoughts. You know the hopes we have and the fears we have, the needs we have, the joys we have. And you know how often we forget to give you thanks for grace and mercy and compassion and help each and every day that sees us through each and every day. And so, Lord, with a sense of privilege, but also with a sense of need and in humility, we come together, we acknowledge our weakness, we acknowledge our sinfulness, we acknowledge our waywardness, we acknowledge our lack of understanding, we acknowledge the fact that decisions we make are often poor, we acknowledge that we so often live with you at the sidelines of daily life. We are unprofitable servants, and yet there is forgiveness and a new start each and every day. And at the beginning of this new week, we pray that you will help us to be emboldened to live for you, to want you, to be active witnesses to you, to honor you in all we do. And we ask for that, knowing our weakness, but looking to the power of the Holy Spirit to help us live the way you would want us to. So thank you again for bringing us here. We bring our thanks and our prayers and our praise, all that we do here, and we bring each other to you, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I have a wee picture, a wee picture that's going to come up magically when the button is pressed. Now, who's going to answer the question? What's going on here? <coughs> Any takers? Sorry? Playing the piano. <laughs> All right. Sorry, I can hear part of you. You can, let's tell you what, let's tell everybody. Let's, where's my microphone going? Yeah. We're standing on a painting that is an illusion. Ah. 
That is the correct answer. <laughs> how many of you, now let's be honest, we are in church. How many of you thought there were planks on the road? Come on. How many are you too embarrassed to admit that there were planks on the road? <laughs> You're absolutely right, there are no planks on the road. No, some of you still don't believe me. If you look really, really, really carefully, you will see that the shadows on the left-hand side of the planks, as it were, are on the right, and the shadows on the right-hand planks are to the left, but the shadows of the two guys standing are both to the right. Have you figured that out? Ah, yes. This is a very, very clever optical illusion painted on the road. And one of the reasons it is painted on the road is to make motorists slow up when they're driving down the road. You think it's a zebra crossing of some sort. And if you're driving down to 60 miles an hour, you don't really have time to uh, look at the shadows and figure out uh, exactly what it is. And it looks as if there are planks on the road in your way. It's a very, very clever piece of painting. Now, the reason I'm showing you the picture, apart from the fact being a fascinating piece of, of painting on the road, is that it is all fake. I mean, the, the paint is fake. Sorry, the, the, what, you th what you think you see is fake. The paint is real. But these guys are not standing on planks in the middle of the road. They're just standing on paint. And I show you this picture because whether you're a five-year-old or a 25-year-old or a 50-year-old or a really old man like me, there are an awful lot of people who want us to believe things that aren't true, who want us to believe things that are fake. And if you get your news on, through your mobile phone on TikTok or MSN or Instagram or wherever, there's a great pressure to believe that what you see, what you hear, what people tell you is true. My mother used to say that if she saw it in the paper, I saw it in black and white, therefore it must be true. Well, it wasn't true then, and it's even less true now. And one of the reasons we come to church, again, whether you're a Wayne or a big one, is that we come to learn what is true and not be led astray by what is untrue. What is good rather than what is false. And I do want to encourage you, if I may, because we're, we're, we'll be singing, we'll be pursuing this a wee bit in a moment or in a wee bit later in the service. I do want you to be, if nothing else, 
you take away from our service this morning. Do not believe everything you read. Do not believe everything you hear. Do not believe everything that you get on a picture, on social media, or wherever. Because the devil is like a roaring lion trying to find ways to devour us. That's what the Bible says. So let's not, if we are Christian people, let's not be taken in simply because we are told something or we are shown something or we see something or we hear something. This is getting ever, ever more important. And that's why we read the Bible. That's why we come to church. That's why we have uh, activities for our young people and our older people, so that we will not be waylaid or misled into believing things that are untrue. Christian people, for Christian people, what is true matters. Let's pray, if we may. Our Father, thank you for bringing us uh, here this morning again. I thank you that when we, we come to you and we come together and we come to read the Bible and we come to pray, that we're not misled. We're not talking to a God who doesn't exist. We're not reading fairy tales. We are in touch with what is true and good and best and from heaven itself. And no matter what we're exposed to during the week, we do ask that you will help us to be wise, to see through things that are wrong or bad or untrue, and to be able to see clearly what is good and true and worth paying attention to. So Lord, help us to see things as you would see them, to learn things that you would want us to learn, and to follow in the ways that you would want us to go. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Do I think we have a hymn now, do we? Is that right? Or am I imagining things? Yes, we do. Okay, it'll come up on the screen, I think. Where are we?
I don't know if the children are making a staged walkout or not. Maybe they are. A few adults are walking out with them. Hmm. When we do come to church on a Sunday morning to worship God, and our offering is part of our worship, and we'll take that up now. Thank you. let's give thanks again. Our Father, as the past week has come and gone, and even as a new day has started, we have been on the receiving end of much blessing. We have what we need for today, and we have what we need yesterday. We are dependent on you, and because of our dependence, and because of your blessing to us, we bring our offerings this morning in Jesus' name. At the beginning of our service, I mentioned the, the folks in Pakistan. We pray for our Christian brothers and sisters there, and we will pray for a number of situations across the world, and then we come a little bit closer to home in our prayers. Let's pray again. Our Father, it is a huge privilege to be able to bring others to you in our prayers a huge privilege to talk with you, invite you, even plead with you to have mercy on your world and on countless millions in your world, all of whom, each of whom matter to you. And this morning, Lord, we do want to pray for those who trust in Jesus, those who are members of the Church of Christ worldwide, for whom being a Christian is dangerous, 
for whom being a Christian often leads to persecution and deprivation, discrimination, abuse, attack. Lord, we know nothing of what it means to suffer for the name of Christ. And so, Lord, our prayers are inadequate and our prayers are much, much less than we would want simply because we do not understand what it is like. But you do. Your son was tortured and beaten and rejected and despised. And so we do want to come to you this morning and ask that those who take your name and are despised and tortured and afflicted, that the mercy of God will reach them in ways that we cannot even begin to think how it will happen. We pray particularly for Christian people in Pakistan, in North Korea, in the Yemen, in Bangladesh, in many parts of Africa, and pray that wherever they are this morning, however they are meeting this day, that they will be given the courage and the blessing that they need that will strengthen them for an unknown tomorrow. We pray for those who are working with them. We pray for Christian Aid. We pray for Tear Fund. We pray for the United Nations work in some of these dreadfully afflicted places, that what they need materially will also be brought to them shelter and food and water and health care, education for their kids. Lord, in your mercy, have compassion on your world and on your people. And Lord, as we've done so often, we pray for our own land in the ongoing quagmire. As the schools start again and the principals, the boards of governors, the teachers, the assistants, the pupils will all feel the pressures of not having what they need to provide what they, sh what sh they should be given. We do want to pray for our local schools, for the staff in them, and ask that they will be given great resilience and great creativity and that the education of our children will not be hijacked because of a lack of resources. In a very similar way, we pray for our local health service, for our nurses, our doctors, our technical people, our ambulance drivers, for all who are involved in our care, for all the paramedics and for those again who have to make really, really awful decisions that they will be able to do what is best even though it is not the best itself. We pray to Lord for our own congregation here 
We thank you for it, for all it means to us. We pray for everybody who is accepting responsibility for the ministry of this congregation as a new year gets underway. And we do pray, Lord, for next Sunday morning and the barbecue for the men's breakfast the following week, for the organizations, the activities, the groups, that all of it will be honoring to you and a real blessing to everybody involved. And Lord, for those who are in need around us, in our homes, in our families, in our congregation, in our community, we want to pray for them individually and particularly right now and commend them to you. Lord, you've walked this earth. You've tasted what life is like in a fallen and sinful world. And so we can pray with confidence that our prayers are understood and are heard and are brought to the very center of heaven. Lord, it is a privilege to pray. It is a privilege to be able to access the throne of grace. And we do so humbly as ever, but gratefully in Jesus' name. Amen. We've often said it, but it's true. We're gathered here because Jesus is here. As we are gathered. Oh, waiting for it. There we are. Magic.
Uh, there we go, thank you. You may be aware that um, I write a column for the Belfast newsletter about once a month or so for the Saturday edition, and I regard that as a real privilege because that's the, the biggest edition of the week it, because of farming life, and it goes to thousands of homes. And I also, for my sins, write a page every month in the Presbyterian Herald, the page that you can happily skip. But I would like to develop a theme that I've already written about in the Belfast newsletter, and which is also the topic of my contribution to the next edition of the Herald, which will be out, what, in, is it next week or the week after? It comes from a conversation that I had with a friend a, a month or two back at the beginning of the summer, which has had a really significant impact on me. He said that he wanted to bring a lot more respair to what he did every day, to the conversations he was having, and to life in general. Well, like you, I had to ask him what he meant. What does the word respair mean? Well, it's actually the opposite of despair. It means to bring hope or encouragement to a situation where there is despair, where there is distress or fear and anxiety. It's a word that hasn't been in general use for over 500 years, but it's now coming back again thanks to the work of a girl in England who is trying to bring back five long-lost words to the English language and bring them back into common usage. And it's a word I think that we can all understand. And I think it goes without saying that to be a bringer of respair, to be a bringer of encouragement, is a very Christ-honoring and Christian thing to do. And yet, I think it's fair to say it's a rather, even a much-neglected part of everyday Christian living and everyday witness to the grace of Christ. We are not great as encouragers in the Lord. And we live in a society that is dominated by me, 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 and me. What is good for you is not top of the agenda unless it's good for me too. Or think about just how much we complain. It's almost a national hobby to complain, isn't it? Complain about the weather. You know, it's too hot, too dry, too wet, too cold, too blowy, whatever. We complain about the health service. We complain about our politicians. We complain about what's on TV or maybe what's not on TV. We complain about the church, of course. We complain about the food in the cafe. We complain about the traffic jam we're sitting in, of course, forgetting conveniently that because we're there, we're actually part of the thing we're complaining about. And so, yes, it goes on and on and on. There, of course, there are things that are not good. Of course, there are. There are things that should be better, absolutely. But we have a tendency to whinge, and we have a tendency to take others for granted. And I think that has actually reached epidemic and really unhealthy proportions. Respair, hope, light, encouragement, 
is much needed. And it's not only needed because of the things that I've mentioned there, but I think it's true to say that life is getting harder for people. Sadness and depression are increasing. I was talking to a GP last week, and he said that 70% of the patients he sees in his surgery, 70% of them are dealing with mental health issues. 70%. One of the things I think is happening too is that our prayer life is withering. We are becoming more and more introverted. It seems to me, and it may or may, it may not be true in Ballycrocken, but it's just a general statement, I think our confidence in the gospel is dropping, not least because it is constantly being assailed and assaulted from all sorts of people. I think our grip on the teaching of Scripture is weakening. And I am being told in many of the churches that I'm in, and this is, I know nothing about Ballycrocken, so I can say this, but I'm often being told that more and more people after COVID have stepped back and are leaving it to others to run the church and its activities. My friend's comment about the need to put Respair up higher up his everyday practice have prompted me to look at the role of encouragement in my own life. And I've tried to take seriously what he said and to look at that role of encouragement. And part of that is why I am speaking on it to you this morning. Let's be in no doubt about the importance of respair and encouragement. I'll leave it to the guys, the, the tech guys, to bring up our next slide. I was going to press the button, but I'll leave it to you guys to, to press the right button. Just look at these verses. Philemon, your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. You get it here? Refreshing the hearts of Lord's people brings encouragement. Paul writing to church at Rome, I long to see you so that you and I may be mutually encouraged. That's really important. Mutually encouraged by each other's faith. Let me offer you a couple more verses from Hebrews. Encourage one another now and again when the notion takes you, when you remember. No. Encourage one another every day, daily. Paul again. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up and actually, this is what you're doing, so keep on doing it. I don't think Scripture could be any clearer. Mutual encouragement in the Lord is bottom-line Christian living. Bottom line. 
Let me tease out this verse from, the, from First Thessalonians a wee bit. In the previous verses, Paul has described his readers as children of the light, people who have faith, love, and salvation open to them, children of the light. Now, you know as well as I do that it's really easy to forget or ignore what Christ has done for us, to take it for granted. We need to remind ourselves that we're not just people with a veneer of religion, which I hope we're not. We're certainly not people who are simply supposed to be good living, whatever that means. We're not meant to be Christians on a Sunday and then forget about it on Monday morning or Thursday afternoon. We are to live, as Paul said earlier in this chapter, in the light of God, as children of the light. We're to live by the guidance of the Spirit, by the teaching of Scripture. And we're not to be hijacked by the standards of the world. And I was trying to get a little bit of this over in the picture. Not to be hijacked by fake news or fake truth or alternative views of God. Talking to a man yesterday who came to faith a couple of years ago, and he said, I don't go anywhere to church anymore. Interesting conversation then ensued. He says, I don't need to go to church anymore. There is no scriptural basis for saying that at all. But he has decided that he can be a self-contained follower of Christ, neither giving encouragement nor receiving encouragement. And I said to him, your soul will shrivel. We are still friends, very much so. We need to be guided by the teaching of Scripture, not by our own preferences, our own opinions, our own viewpoints our own presuppositions. We're to live with Christian character and profound Christian integrity. And to do that, I mean, let's be honest about it, I need it, and I think everybody else needs it. We do need the mutual encouragement and support and the prayers and the guidance of others to live for God as he would want us to live. I think my friend is seriously misguided. With all of that said then, let me ask a direct question. I don't want you to put your hand up, but I do want, it would be really good, I think, if you could answer it, your own thinking. If you're a follower of Christ, who are your minders? Who are the folks with whom you talk about the Lord, about the things that are on your mind? Who are the Christian people from whom you seek advice or guidance? I've asked that question to countless people over the years, hundreds. And almost always, the answer is either nobody or a member of the family. It is 
remarkable how many people have no minders at all. And one of the consequences of that is that it reduces our faith to something very private that hardly anyone else knows about. And as I said to my friend yesterday, it's a sure recipe for your soul to shrivel. Encouragement, respair, is absolutely crucial for us if we are to thrive as Christian people. And just look at how important it is in so many other walks of life. I don't know how many of you, I may have mentioned this to you the last time I was here, any of you watch Elton John at the Glastonbury Festival? Anybody watch it? How many people were there? Do you remember? 200,000. And almost all of them, if you watched it, were singing along with him. What encouragement comes from having 200,000 people singing along with you? What encouragement comes from being in church and having a couple of hundred people sing along with you? A huge amount. Think of the, 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 the World Cup and the football, the encouragement, the support that was so obvious. Parents and grandparents go to prize days and school days and to football matches on a Saturday morning to encourage and support the, their, their young people. That's what we do because that's what they need. So why is it such a problem when it comes to mutually encouraging one another to live for Christ. Many of you will know the story of the, or the, not the story, the account of the man in the New Testament called Barnabas. We mentioned him at the, the first slide that we had. Barnabas. We read this in Acts chapter 4. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, just give him a nickname, which means son of encouragement. Barnabas, the name Barnabas means son of encouragement. He sold a field that he owned and brought the money and put it at the disciples' feet to encourage others by what he had. And other passages in Acts tell us just how big a contribution this son of encouragement, this man of respair, made to the spread of the gospel. I want to just look at a, at a couple of verses from Acts 11, and here we go. News of this, that the, what was happening, and many had turned to Christ. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. 
Guys, keep going. Then it goes on. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. What we have here and in other passages is a picture of a man who was an encourager. His nickname was an encourager. He was really pleased at what God was doing. When he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad. Really pleased at what God was doing. And he encouraged the new Christians there to keep going. This is part of my job here in this congregation, to build up the new believers. A godly man, of course, a getter of things done. He went off to um, Tarsus to look for Saul, and he had to go looking for him, and he found him and brought him back. I need to get Saul and bring him here. And as we see there in the last verse, he was willing and able to pass on what he himself knew of the Lord. Surely, surely, we need as many Barnabases as we can get today. And I'm, I'm sharing this with you because it's part of my own pilgrimage, my own story. I'm asking you if you'd like to be one. Not just listen to the preacher, but would you actually see yourself as being a Barnabas? To be like my friend, to build in respect and encouragement into what you do every day. To build respect and encouragement into your language, what you say and how you say it. Into the actions, the things that make up every day. I think I'm going a wee bit further than that. I'm actually asking you to be a modern-day Barnabas as a result of what we've explored in Scripture this morning. I want to end, if I may, with five questions. And what I have done is I've actually printed, uh, printed these out. And if you would like one, this is a copy of the slide that's on the, on the screen, if you'd like one, with the five questions on it. Ask me as you go out. They're worth a five or each, but I'll give them to you for free. Because you don't become an encourager casually. And I've been thinking about this, and maybe if Mark will have me back again, I might pursue that a wee bit more the next time I'm here, whenever that is. But let me ask the first of these five questions. Am I known as a bringer of respair, a bringer of respair and encouragement to others? Or am I not known for being a bringer of respair and encouragement? Where am I in this? Am I hard work? 
or am I, bringer, am I a bringer of despair and encouragement? Who, name on the back of an envelope, who do I regularly encourage at present? Who is it? Who are they? Given the people that I know and I'm in touch with, who would the Lord have me encourage in this coming week and over the longer term? Who are the people the Lord would put on my heart, names on the back of an envelope, whom I will positively and actively seek to encourage? Who do I allow to encourage me? Is there anybody gets in on me? And what do I need to be encouraged in? What am I struggling with? And who might bring that encouragement to me if I ask them? Now, these are, I think, really simple questions, but actually they're quite challenging to work through, which is why I've printed them out. But in an era when it is getting ever harder to be a follower of Christ, whether it's in, in, in school or in college, in work, amongst family, amongst friends, wherever, the ministry of encouragement is fundamental to us not giving up honoring the Lord. So as I say, I have the, the, the copies of the slide there, and please ask me for one, if you would like one, to think it through. Let's pray. Lord, we're grateful for the people who have invested in us over the years. Maybe back to when we were children and Sunday school or Bible class or in school or maybe at work, wherever. People who took time to talk with us and encourage us, help us to understand things. We want to thank you for each and every one of them. And Lord, we want to pass on to others the encouragement that we have received over the years, if we've received it. And Lord, if we are struggling in any way, that you will give us the courage to acknowledge that, and you'll give the, us the wisdom to invite others to be our minders and our helpers our support. Lord, we thank you just for the, the straightforward teaching of your word to us this morning. And as we leave this place this morning, as we head out into a new week, not knowing what it will hold, we pray that a ministry of encouragement and respair will be 
around us and flowing from us and perhaps indeed flowing to us. So Lord, you know where we are. Some of us are in a good place. Some of us are not. We simply need you and invite you to do a work of, or bring a work of encouragement either to us or through us to other people. And we pray as we always do in Jesus' name. Amen. Our last hymn is Lord of the Church. We pray for our renewing. And I think it's important to say it's not just a sort of the, the church in general, but actually the church is made up of individuals like you and me. So it becomes a prayer for us individually and together to be renewed and encouragement. Courage.
And may the blood of, may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, equip us with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.